We are going to publish also another one beginning of next year, which will be a call for proposal, again in open competition, to develop commercial sensors owned and operated by the industry. So this is very important for us to rely on those commercial data more and more. And we want to increase the proportion of those commercial data and reach an ideal balance of approximately 50-50 between military and commercial data in the long term, in the next years. Hey, Space Watchers, this is Space Cafe Radio, your channel about trends, awesome events and interesting people in the space sector. Halloween in Tallinn. You might have listened to the 33 Minutes with Paul Lears, Head of Space at the Ministry of Economic Affairs and Communications of Estonia, Why to Come to Town by End of October. It is about the third edition of the SDSC, the Software Defined Space Conference 2023. My guest in this episode is Dr. Pascal Fauché, Chairman of the European Union Space Surveillance and Tracking EUSST program, who gave the keynote at this very unique boutique conference. Pascal provided an update on the operational status of EUSST and about strategic autonomy in this sector. I invited him to sit down with me to talk in more detail about his keynote. And here we are. I'm Torsten, publisher at Spacewatch.global. Enjoy this episode. Pascal, it's a great pleasure to talk with you here in Tallinn. We just could hear your wonderful keynote on the first day of the software-defined base conference. And you gave an overview about the operational situation at USST and the strategic autonomy. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that for us? Thank you very much, uh, Thorsten. It's a pleasure to reconnect with you. And since the last time we met, you may know that we have formed almost exactly one year ago on the 11th November 22, a new partnership of 15 member states of the European Union on space surveillance and tracking. And in this partnership, we have adopted an inherently dual governance structure, which allows for addressing and preserving sovereign security interests of the participating member states while providing a civilian public service. So this, our objective in this partnership, in this new partnership, is to develop capabilities, is to develop a strategic autonomy. This is for us almost an obsession. It's a priority to develop those capabilities for space in space surveillance and tracking of all space objects in all orbit regimes relying on member states' capabilities. And that's the reason why we are we form a partnership of 15 member states, because those member states also have a program to invest at national level in the development of such capabilities in the future. So this is a very positive evolution. And it may be surprising, but today the defense plays a crucial role in the development of this strategic autonomy in space events and tracking in Europe. Currently, I checked the statistics, in 23, 97% of the measurements shared in the USST comes from military sensors. So we rely today on 12 military sensors from the EU member states out of 40 sensors in total. And the contribution of those sensors are crucial. Mm -hmm. So this is a very important contribution from the defense in a civilian program. That's why we have adopted an inherently dual governance structure. Can you define for us the strategic autonomy a bit better? Is that really a pure 
for Europe or on the NATO level? So what is the autonomy? Because autonomy always needs a host. Autonomy means the capability to detect and catalog space objects in orbit. All space objects in all orbit regimes in LEO, MEO and GEO using all available technologies. It could be telescopes, radar, laser, uh, SBSS, space-based surveillance system. Any technologies are welcome. It could be from civil sensors, military sensors, but also commercial sensors. And our objective is, of course, to detect as much, as many objects as possible and catalog all objects. I would say by 28, the objective would be to be in a capacity to catalog all objects down to 10 centimeters in LEO, if possible less, of course, down to 7 centimeters if it's feasible. It depends on the technology. And in high orbits, MIO and GEO, our target is to catalog all space objects down to 35 centimeters, which is an objective almost reached today. Our objective is really to focus on the development of capabilities for LEO. We have a lack of capability in this domain. You're talking about a European context. Exactly. This, this autonomy is Europe's autonomy. Exactly. The, the goal is to have a database which is, in the best case, equivalent to the US at one stage. Exactly. EUSST right? is a subcomponent, a fully-fledged subcomponent of the European Union space program. And it relies, the strategic autonomy in space surveillance and tracking in the EU relies on the member states, mm -hmm. which bring their national capabilities, their national sensors. And in addition to that, it's very important also for us to rely on the industry, on commercial capabilities. Absolutely. As you mentioned, we met last year in Prague at the Prague Space Security Conference, where um, we also talk about the status of the EU SST. And at that point of time, it was seven partners involved. And then there was this potential growth to 15, what you just mentioned is conducted. So what happened on the operational side? What happened on the funding side as well? Because more partner means more money, means more muscles for you, I hope. Thank you for the question, Dorsten. So first, more partners does not mean more money because we decided to remain agile, to keep our efficiency and to avoid duplication. So we kept exactly the same configuration as before to specialize and to avoid duplication of efforts. So more partners, more member set, it means first It's a political signal that they invest at national level, that there's a political awareness on the importance of space situation awareness. And today, space traffic management, which is a topic under discussion in Europe. In terms of operations, we continue to build and run an operational SSA system 24-7 to provide public services in collision avoidance, reentry, and fragmentation analysis. And we rely, of course, on our industry to provide those services. And the objective is to deliver a public service to ensure a minimum level of space safety and sustainability. This is very important. This is what we call in other countries, for instance, governmental service. For us, we believe that this is public service to protect the space environment from catastrophic collision that may create thousands 
are millions of new debris and would affect all space activities and in particular for the European Union and its member states. So for us, it's very important to continue to deliver those operations. So we started in July 2016. So it means that we already have seven years of operations behind us. And since the 1st January 23, we decided to open the collision avoidance service worldwide to all spacecraft operators. So this is something completely new compared to when we met last time. What does it mean that a spacecraft operator calls you and said, hey, can you help me with, or are you informing them and say, hey, guys, watch out, there might be a collision coming up. Today we have a, a web service portal, which is accessible worldwide, and any spacecraft operator can request for registration, the collision avoidance service. This portal is under the responsibility of EU SPA. So EU SPA is responsible for the front desk of all the USST services, and we are very happy to have this wonderful cooperation with EU SPA. It's also something new. Yeah, always. And so, yes, it means that this public service is available to spacecraft operators because, again, this is our main interest for all of us to ensure that all spacecraft are well protected from risk of collision. We need to avoid absolutely any catastrophic collision. This is our common objective. I think it's a shared and global responsibility. And so the EUSST is a tool for the European Union and its member states to act responsibly to be a reliable and capable partner and to contribute to the global burden sharing of SSA with a regional approach. This is what we are doing. You mentioned the new established front desk with USPAM in, in Prague. How does that work? I'm still trying to understand how the service feels for me as a potential customer or an interested person. Are you calling me if one of my spacecraft or USPA in, in that case, calling me if one of my spacecraft is on a wrong track or might be in danger of collisions or do I have to monitor that? Which way is that? It's very simple. We decided to specialize ourselves again without any duplication. France and Spain together are responsible, the two operational centers are responsible to provide the collision avoidance service to spacecraft operators. Italy is responsible for the re-entry and fragmentation analysis service. And Germany is responsible for the database and the European catalog. And as a front desk, we have EU SPA. So all users can have access to services through the web portal, through the front desk. Mm -hmm. But the services are elaborated by the National Operational Center. So member states provide those national capabilities, provide those services to end users through the web portal under the responsibility of EU SPA. So that's very simple. But who tells me that my satellite is on the wrong path, on a collision path? Who gives me this warning? It's going to be the French operational center or the Spanish operational center working together in hot redundancies. So it's CNES, the French space agency, and the new Spanish space agency. And they together. then in, in, inform USPA and they... No, we are in direct contact with any spacecraft operators, of course. Ah, okay. This is okay. very important that there's a direct link to analyze together a risky conjunction to send tasking requests, for instance, to sensors to get tracking data on the secondary object when there's a risky event. 
to analyze the geometry of the collision, to perform some sensitivity mm -hmm, mm -hmm. analysis, to take the right decision when uh, the threshold of risk is passed, then we need to take action, a mitigation action, which is a collision avoidance maneuver. So there is a direct dialogue between the operational center in charge of the CA service and the spacecraft operator the, in the control center, of so course. The, the role of the front desk is to channel the request from the market, from the client, to the various centers of excellence or centers, as you mentioned. Yes. All the information is available, for instance, all the conjunction data messages are uploaded by the user from the front desk. Mm -hmm. All the report, re-entry and fragmentation report are available on the front desk web service provision portal. Okay. This service, and you mentioned earlier in the number of sensors that you have, the objects that you can track is today limited, as you mentioned. So, and you also emphasized on the role of the private actors in space situational awareness. Which direction is that going for a civil service as yours? Are you engaging more and more with the private industry to provide data? And how do you leverage these data as well? Because if you have more data sources, then the uncertainty of data will be higher. So what is the process? So right now, you address a very important topic in our strategy, which is really to foster competitiveness and innovation in the industry. And we consider those commercial sensors, operational or in development, also as strategic, because we believe that they can complement military and civil sensors in Europe and contribute to achieve strategic autonomy, which is our ultimate goal. So for us, this is a priority. And today, I think everyone acknowledges, agree uh, that we have a vibrant and energized commercial industry and startup in Europe. We need to take full advantage of this trend. And we have launched very recently a call for commercial data provision, which has been published openly in open competition three weeks ago on 10th of October. It's the first time that we publish such a call. So it's a very good signal to the industry. And we are going to publish also another one beginning of next year, which will be a call for proposal, again, in open competition to develop commercial sensors owned and operated by the industry. So this is very important for us to rely on those commercial data more and more And we want to increase the proportion of those commercial data and reach an ideal balance of approximately 50-50 between military and commercial data in the long term, in the next years. I don't know how long it's going to take. It depends on the commercial capabilities in development. It depends also mm -hmm. on the development of member states' sensors because Member states continue to invest, and in particular, the ministries of defense. They invest more and more in those space surveillance and tracking sensors. And for us, this is a very positive evolution because we use all kinds of data. We can merge together commercial data with military data or civil data from any type of sensors. This is what is unique, I think, in this European cooperation. It's completely unique in the world. Do you also have a coordinating role or a consulting role, so to say, for, for the militaries when they think about sensors, what kinds of sensors are needed 
which kind of sensors are not there, as you talked about duplication. But I think this challenge is too big for one alone. So we need to work together and we need to not just share responsibilities, but also share resources and capacities. So how far can you give your word into the MODs so, as a civil entity? Thank you very much. This is a very important topic. It's a strategic topic as well. We want to have a competitive industry. And if we want to have a competitive industry, we need to be realistic and pragmatic given the lack of resources right now in Europe. I mean, those resources are limited. And therefore, we need to be smart and exploit those synergies that you mentioned between civil and defense. And for us, it's a strategic priority. It's strategic to ensure that those synergies are exploited at maximum between civil and defense. And it means that we are not, I'm not talking about complementarity because we will not constrain the development of military sensors by civil, civilian requirements. It's not going to happen. So we need to be well coordinated. And first, we need to be well coordinated between the civil European Union space program. And EUSST is a component of this mm -hmm. civil space program and also the European Defense Fund. And you may know that there are some ongoing calls for military SSA with the development of military sensors relying on a competitive industry, which is important. And we see it very positively. So what we need to do is to be well coordinated, to join our forces together because of the lack of budget and we need to optimize the systems. So this is, we need to create together a virtuous circle where on the one hand, the civil space program where free USST should continue to support the development of commercial sensors and member state sensors. And on the other hand, the European Defense Fund should focus on developing national military sensors, relying, of course, on the competitive industry and an On our side, in this virtual circle, the civil domain will benefit in the future from those newly built military sensors from the European Defense Fund. So for us, it's a win-win situation. We welcome very much those additional efforts, funding to develop any capabilities, military, commercial or civil, because at the end, it's going to be an addition for us to achieve a, a higher level of strategic autonomy. Is the speed of development at the moment in Europe, in this field, is that fast enough? You mentioned before, EUSST is seven years in the operations, but we all know we are running behind the market. So is there ever a chance to keep yes, up with this? I would be very positive. I would say that we started seven years ago, and I think that we were the first on the civil side to start to build and run an operational SSS system at regional level, which provides today an in a service worldwide to all spacecraft operators. I think in the US, they started recently and brilliantly one year ago with the new track system. So we still have, I would say, uh, a little advance of several years, but it means for us that we need to continue to invest. Mm -hmm. And so I see it positively. I see that there are more and more investment at national level in the member state. I see also that there are more and more also investment from the private sector to develop those commercial capabilities. 
So I would say in Europe, we would be in a good position, in a good situation in 10 years. It's going to take five to 10 years to be, I would say, fully autonomous to a certain point in this domain. So this is, I think we took the right decisions and that we need more investment in the future. And it's going to be, of course, a topic under political discussion when preparing the next financial framework of the EU for space. And it's going to start in 28, from 28 to 34. So we're not there yet, but it's going to arrive very quickly. I think due to the current geopolitical situation that we have seen with the aggression war of Russia, suddenly things were possible, which were unthinkable before. Can you gain from this higher awareness of space as a needed asset for strategic autonomy, as you mentioned before, in this case, military autonomy and military capabilities, that the stepkind was always SSA. We need it, but yeah, not now. Yeah, other stuff were always more important. But now, I think with the awareness of the dependence on base assets, is that something you think you can gain if gain the, the right word is here in, the, in this context? So I agree with you. There's right now a general awareness on the need to have more SSA, more autonomy. We can't be blind. We need to know what's going on up there. We know that space is more and more congested and contested. And so that's the reason why member states continue start to invest for some of them or continue to invest in national capabilities at MOD level. We see the recent move. So the European Defense Fund also now invest massively. We're talking about 125 million euros for two calls on military SSA. I am very optimistic. I think it's going to grow. And for us, the next window, budgetary window, I would say it's the preparation of the next financial framework. This political discussion will start in 25 in Europe because we need to prepare for two, three years in advance, this conversation at political yeah. level. And probably also in the context of space traffic management, we had the joint communication from Commission and External Action Service on space traffic management in published on 15 February 22, followed by the Council conclusions on space traffic management on, adopted on 10 June 22 under the French presidency of the European Union. And today, again, under the Spanish presidency, we will have other council conclusions on space traffic management. So it's going to be adopted in the next days. So I think all those policy documents also contribute to raise awareness on the importance of SSA and STM. And we will see the future, but I am very optimistic that there's a need for autonomy, clearly, with Galileo, Copernicus, Iris Square, we have flagship programs up there. We can't continue to be blind, so we need to develop those capabilities to be autonomous. It's also good to see that on the innovation sector, many companies are in the sector active in various status, and that's great. So there is an awareness. I would like to follow up with yeah. you in the next years to come to how USST will develop and wish you good luck on your journey. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Dustin. If you have further questions, reach out to us at radio at spacewatch.global. If you like these or other episodes of Space Cafe Radio, leave us a rating on your preferred podcast platform. It is the currency of today. And if you want to stay on the pulse 
of the space industry, please visit our website at www.spacewatch.global and subscribe to our newsletters. And of course, don't forget to become a Space Watcher. I'm Torsten Kreening, publisher at spacewatch.global, your independent perspective on space. <laughs>